0: Hi everybody, before we get into this week's episode, I just want to say a huge, huge thank you to this week's sponsor, Beyond Vinyl. Beyond Vinyl offers a large range of new and pre-owned vinyl, CDs, cassettes and much, much more. They've very kindly given us a 20% off code by using Calbert20. You'll be able to get 20% off your order, that's incredible, isn't it? So go to www.beyondvinyl.co.uk and use the code CALBERT20 to get 20% off your order. I'll put all the details in the link below. Right, to this week's episode. The Cal Halbert Podcast Hello everybody, thank you for downloading and listening to this week's episode of the Cal Halbert Podcast. My guest this week is the very glorious and glamorous Denise Welsh. We best know Denise as her roles on Loose Women and as an actress in Hollyoaks and Coronation Street and Waterloo Road and Boy Meets Girl and Benidorm and uh, she was in EastEnders and oh, the list goes on. Denise managed to fit me in in her very busy schedule. She's such a lovely lady and I hope you enjoy this episode. Here we go. The Cal Halbert Podcast. So I'm very pleased to say that on the show today I've got the wonderful, the fantastic, the fabulous, the glamorous, the glorious Denise Welsh. Hi Denise.
1: Woo my goodness what an intro. Thank you Cal.
0: <laughs> How are you my flower? Are you okay?
1: I'm all right thank you. I'm, um, I'm very lucky to be very busy Mm-hmm. And I'm very grateful for that because I know so many people aren't. And you know, I think it's good days and bad days. Cal, really, I, I you know, uh, that seems to be that seems to be the way. Um, I get some days where I feel incredibly positive, and we're through this. And then you look at the mail online, and your world collapses again. So <laughs> I think the answer is don't go on the mail online. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Uh, Only watch happy shows. That's all I that's exactly. all I do. All I do if you if ever you're down, have a look at some pictures of dogs and cats on the internet. I'm all happy for that. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> well, Denise, we best know you uh, as an actress and a, a TV personality. Do you prefer actress or actor or does it not bother you?
1: It doesn't really bother me, Cal. Yeah, I've, I, I've never I, I say actress, but if people want to say actor that's fine.
0: Yeah, it, it's never really bothered me to be honest i asked chelsea chelsea halfpenny this same same question because in in my world the comedy world we do have comedian and comedian but who says comedian oh, yeah, yeah. Do you know, no one really I says i mean,
1: that. I just you know i think it's because maybe it's an age thing you know because i'm so old i've always <laughs> been an actress and I've, a, I've actually always been quite proud proud of that label because i'm you know i feel i feel i've sort of survived the stalls, and i'm still an actress so i kind of almost want to hang on to that title.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Completely understand that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So had you always wanted to be an actress?
1: Um, well, I I didn't. Well, I was about, how it started was I was um, about 14 and I was um, at grammar school. I changed schools uh, when I was about 14. And I was not very academic in as much as I was bone idle. <laughs> And I liked school. I loved the boys. I loved going to school and for the social aspect of it all. But I didn't really find anything that floated my boat. Mm-hmm. And then um, this is at what was called Concert Grammar School at the time that then became Blackfine Secondary and now is sadly no longer there. Yeah. Um, but um, I, then, my dra- then a drama teacher at the school, Terry Cudden, um, sadly no longer with us, said to me, um, would I audition for Finian's Rainbow? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like I had any aspirations to do that, but I did audition, I got the part, and it was almost like, and it sounds really corny, but it was almost like a light went on in my life. Yes. And suddenly I found something that not only I loved, but something that I could do well. Mm -hmm. So... You, you know, so kind of from the age of fifth, round about 15, 16, I was very immersed in the school plays, played the lead in the Crucible. And when you haven't been patted on the back for anything at school and you suddenly get patted on the back, it's a big feeling.
0: Yeah, absolutely. and,
1: um, and But I still, because the school I went to wasn't exactly a feeder school, you know, it wasn't an art school, mm-hmm. I didn't really consider this as a profession yeah. So I applied to teacher training college thinking, well, I don't really know what else to do with drama. You know, I'll go to teacher training college. I won't need many A levels there. <laughs> and <then laughs> I thought, you know, because I knew that if you got sort of like, you know, I wouldn't need to get like three Bs or something, whatever. Yeah. And um, anyway, my dad and my drama teacher said to me, why don't you apply to drama school? Mm -hmm. And my dad's friend had a son at Mountview Theatre School. So I didn't even apply to RADA or Central or any of the biggies. I applied to Mountview and I got in and I couldn't believe I got in. I rang them and asked if they'd made a mistake. (laughs) 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 But um, the rest, as they say, is history. So I have my dad and my drama teacher, Terry, to thank for that, because, you know, when I went to drama school, most of the, the parents had said to their kids, please don't be an actor, please be a teacher. Yes. <laughs> but I know that I, that I made the right choice because um, I, I wouldn't have had the patience to be a teacher. I have the ultimate respect for them. Yes. But I think I, I I think I chose the right profession for me.
0: Well, you did go method then, c- considering your roles in Waterloo Road as well. Then. Well, indeed, <laughs> and
1: I think it was the role in Waterloo Road that that really made me realise what a rubbish I would have been as rubbish as Steph, the character <laughs> I played. But,
0: it is funny, isn't it? Because I know I absolutely adored drama, and I didn't. I was always quite a shy person, and when when I was doing drama, it was it, it, as you say the exact same thing with me. A light went on, and I went. I can do this and because yeah. I wasn't comfortable in myself. I was a young lad who hadn't come out as gay. I hadn't realized at the time and sort of thing. And I was trying to hide myself. But when you when you were becoming other people, I can I can do that. Absolutely, absolutely. fine. And it was absolutely incredible. And I, I owe a lot to my drama teacher as well. So so we have that in common in that. I think drama is so, so important oh. and it's got a negative connotation to people because you think, oh, you're just going to act like a tree. you? I gonna...
1: completely agree with you. And I think that, I, and I obviously think the same as you, that it doesn't matter whether, the, whether it's using drama as a t- you know, t- to go on to be a professional. Drama is so incredible, especially for people who are shy, especially for like, people like you who, who sexually are maybe confused for a time and don't have the confidence to come out. And um, people who are experiencing things at home that they don't want to talk about, they can become another character and express it through that. Yeah. And I think it's invaluable that drama remains in the school curriculum.
0: Oh, I completely agree with you. Yeah. I think there's and there's so much more to drama than what people think, as I say, that like people Definitely. thinking you're just going to be a tree. It's just that assertiveness that you can walk into a job interview, for example, you know, and drama to me is the the number one subject that, you, that transfers into real life. You know, when people I say, oh, oh, when you. am I ever going to use this in my life? Drama I have used every single day, regardless of me being a stand-up comic now, but even absolutely. before in normal jobs.
1: I, com- I completely agree. And I think that, you know, this, and I think particularly when schools and colleges go back after this, you know, disastrous time that we've had, there is going to be people are going to need an outlet to express some really pent up deep problems that, that 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 have have gone on you know this is a this is a mental health pandemic we're dealing with not just a physical one
0: and i'm actually quite excited for the end of the pandemic uh, the the coronavirus pandemic to see what people have produced and worked on through this and I, i'm so excited for theatres to reopen and things
1: like that oh my god i can't wait and you know my desire it's not, it's not to be in the theatre, it's not to perform in the theatre again, much as that would be lovely, but it's to just go and sit in the theatre. I can't wait. And, and I think that that's what's been so hard for our peers and our contemporaries, that of all the professions, we still have no idea. They keep moving the goalposts. I understand it's impossible to say, but, you know, I don't think people... And again, people who criticise, you know, I put the odd thing on Twitter and... And you know what a mean place that can be and people are going yeah but loads of there's loads of professions want their jobs back and i said yes of course there is but at the same time stop stop criti- stop criticizing the arts because what has got you through lockdown netflix streaming music all of the things that we provide is what has got people through yeah. mentally through this time
0: exactly you know
1: and um, people need they need theatre they need music and they need all of these things and we have to work incredibly hard to get back safely to be able to doing those not just for the people involved in the industries but those who go and 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 and, and watch you know a lot of young people you know my son's band is the 1975 as yes. you know and and I I see firsthand how these kids live for that band yeah. in the same way other people do for other bands mm-hmm. and they 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 You know, their whole year is planned around going to see them live, and it gives them such an outlet. And they've been robbed of that completely. And um, it's it's tough. It's very tough on our young people. It's tough on our old people. It's tough on everybody. But I think we've been protecting the old people. That sometimes we don't talk enough about the young people. I
0: agree, actually, and also there's something magical about going to the theatre where you walk in, and I love. One of my favourite theatres in the world is the Tyne Theatre in Newcastle, and I I love go. Even you just go in and you go, oh, it smells like an old theatre, and I I know, I know, (laughs) just absolutely adore it. So you did mention before you went to Mountview Drama School. Um, mm-hmm. And from there, you've been in all a, a plethora of shows, including Biker Grove, Corrie, Benador, Waterloo Road, as we mentioned before, Boy Meets Girl, Hollyoaks, and many, many more that there's so many to list. But what was your first professional acting job?
1: My Well, when I was at drama school, which is in the late 70s, it's a long time ago, you were very much in the um, Catch-22 situation of you couldn't work without a equity card, but you couldn't get an equity card until you got a job. Yes. and so you really had to um, you had to try hard because each theatre company in the country usually had an allocation of two equity cards a year, so that's a lot of people striving for those cards. Yeah. So, like many actors, I was out of work for the first nine months, but you know, I didn't have uh, my parents had helped me with a grant. That was it. I was on my own, <laughs> and so I had to get. Um, I did everything. I was waitressing. I was stuffing envelopes. I was doing all sorts of things, and uh, that's what I did. And then, and then as The luck would have it. After nine months, I got offered two equity cards within five minutes of each other. Wow. One was at Newcastle for Live Theatre Company. Yes. And the other was at Watford Palace Theatre. And it's funny. It's like, which way would my life have gone? Like sliding doors? Because... I did the audition for Live Theatre Company with Tim Healy, who I ultimately married and became the father of my children. But the equity card I chose was at Watford Palace Theatre because my then boyfriend, who became my first husband, um, was in London. So it's like, oh my God, what would have happened? Anyway, so I did a show called The Four Spirits, a a, a children's show at Watford Palace Theatre, and I got my equity card that way. And and then, you know, it was, um, the thing is, we're very much a sort of a, a TV world now and everybody mm-hmm. wants to be famous and everybody wants to be on the telly. But when I trained, it was about a theater training. Yeah. You know, you trained for the theater and the, the theater was what you saw your career as. You didn't really, if you went on to do telly, that was great, but you trained to do theater. So that's what I did predominantly for the first 10 years of my career. I was, I was in theatre and some of it was good and some of it was, as my friend Richenda used to say, she used to go, oh darling, you're not doing another tour of Drop Your Knickers and Cry and Murder, are you? <laughs> 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 Always off on these tours to pay the bills. <laughs> but you know, when I, I did a tour of a show called A Bed Full of Foreigners, it was a farce right. and we played Newcastle Theatre Royal and Honesty cow. From that was in the 80s, probably the early 80s or whatever. And from then to now, there are still the odd remaining friend of my dad's yes. who would say, The best thing I saw you in was a bed full of foreigners at <laughs> Royal. No matter what you do, that was highlighted <laughs> to them. Um, but, so, yes, I've, I've, I've had a very varied career and I've had periods of success and huge periods of out of work. And I still consider myself a, a a jobbing actress. That's how I've always seen you know seen myself. And people often say, but it must be much more fun now because you're well known and this that, and the other. go, well, actually, I had just as much fun doing a bed full of foreigners and getting a brown envelope at the end of the yeah. week, you know.
0: Yeah, it, it, it is. You mentioned the catch twenty two of trying to get a, a, an equity card. It's the same thing uh, in comedy in a catch twenty two. If you start getting a bit of telly, people think. Oh, it must be so much better now that you're famous and stuff. And you go, well, actually, I can't get away with some of the stuff I used to do when I'm not doing telly. Exactly. And then, of course, once you've done telly as a stand-up, you've kind of exhausted
1: that act in a way, haven't you? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So what was your first uh, telly acting role?
1: My first telly acting role was, um, it popped up on something on YouTube the other day, you can't get away from them. It was one scene in a Chinese drama called Barriers with an actor called Benedict Taylor. And I played, um, I can't remember what she was called, but she worked in a, um, she worked in a, uh, in a was it a, tra- a travel agent or something? And she liked shop. <laughs> and I remember doing this one scene in this television show, just one scene with Benedict Taylor. And I honestly thought, it was just the best day of my and, and entire life to be involved in this telly world. And I remember looking at all the trailers that had the names of the leads on it and thinking, because I was only about 21, thinking, oh my God, you know, will I ever have that? And then, and then, but really my TV career proper didn't start till I was about 31. And that's when I'd, I'd had Matthew Mm -hmm. I wasn't very well with postnatal depression so I was really struggling mentally because I'd never had any kind of mental illness before then so it was a very odd time for me and then I was filming Biker Grove and Spender simultaneously and that was sort of the start of, um, I mean I did still do theatre and I still do do theatre but that was really where my TV career started.
0: How did you find your? You, you mentioned there your, your postnatal depression. How did you find that affected your work?
1: Oh, it just affected everything. I mean, you know, I've talked for thirty. Matthew's thirty-two in April. Um, I've talked. Um, I've talked for for thirty-two years about my mental illness. You yeah. know, unfortunately, mine started as postnatal depression, and 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 it um it opened up a tendency. You know, anybody listening to this who is pregnant or maybe is suffering from postnatal depression, you know, in most cases you will make a complete recovery. In some, it can open up a tendency to this illness. And unfortunately that's what happened to me. So at the time I was filming um, those early on, it was very, very um, difficult, especially because we've come a long way in 32 years. We still have an awful long way to go. We talk about it more but we still don't seem to have the solutions and I've had these talks with companies I've worked for and said it's all very well to say it's good to talk but what happens when you do talk some bosses are still shutting people down and it's like it's good to say it's good to talk but we don't really want to deal with it ourselves so um, you know a lot of uh, it, it, it was still people kept saying to me I don't know why you're talking about it people will think you're mad and i said well that's exactly why i'm going to talk about it because i had you know if it hadn't been for my family understanding that what i had was a serious debilitating crippling isolating potentially terminal illness mm-hmm. which is what major depressive disorder is um i would have had nowhere to turn to and i can't say what would have happened so it made me it made me passionate about speaking out at every opportunity so it was it was difficult Cal and you know there were certain jobs that I didn't do and it still influences job decisions I do to this day yes. um as to you know I I prefer to do jobs where I can be at home I'm doing Hollyoaks now it would have made a big difference if I couldn't be at home because I am um, you know it, it, it I like to be surrounded by the people I love
0: Yes, that, that is important. And you, you, you mentioned it started as postnatal depression. And I've been quite outspoken in that I, I too, uh, also suffer with depression. And it's a uh... horrible illness. Comes. What's great about it is it doesn't discriminate. <laughs> I'll give it that positive. That's the one positive. It absolutely it's got. <laughs> does not care
1: who we are, what we are, what job we do, when it decides to come. You know, I call it the unwelcome visitor. That's what yes. my book is called and um well, and what that's actually what well, since you
0: since you mentioned that the unwelcome visitor what i like it is is the subtitle to it which is depression and how i survive it and and I've, i really yes. like that and it is
1: and it is i made you. it present tense as well because um rather than survived it because it is it is current i mean actually um i'm going to touch wood even though i say i'm not superstitious but i clearly am <laughs> september 2019 was the last time i had an episode so Although 2020 has been a horrific year in many ways, ironically, it's been um, the first time that I've never had an episode for so long in all those years. So I feel quite lucky that I survived that year without being mentally ill.
0: It is, uh, it's an awful, awful illness. And what I often find is with uh, now, I'm lucky in that um, I I a very good... Have you had of... an
1: episode on stage before, Cal?
0: No, touch wood. I've been very, very lucky. I've, I've never had to. However, whenever it's brought up. I try not to, to bring it up simply because you get the whole argument of, oh, well, you know, all, all comedians are depressed, aren't they? You know, and you go, oh, well, yeah, mainly because people keep saying that. But um, yeah. so, you know, it's one of those things. But it is something that you you work with and you have to keep on top of it in the same way that yeah. if you've got a broken leg, you're not going to walk around with a broken leg. You're going to have yeah. to get it fixed. And you, well, I would you always, have to work at I would it.
1: always say to everybody that you know um if, if i was giving any advice to a younger person I, I i was asked to write a letter to my younger self once for some publication and i said be kinder to yourself the show doesn't always have to go on and i think it's in our dna as performers to think that the show must go on but you know sometimes sometimes it doesn't have to and i mean that literally and metaphorically as well you know Um sometimes if it's too much you can you, you can step back and the world won't
0: end. I most recently, it's been added on to BBC iPlayer, I have just finished binge-watching uh, the entirety of Waterloo Road. And you did? I binge from number one right to the end. I've watched wow. every single episode. I've just finished binge-watching it. Uh, that's one positive of all the lockdown. I've had loads of time to do stuff like this. So My I goodness. have just finished watching all of Waterloo Road. And I'm not trying to fangirl now, but I must say, you had you did such an exceptional job in your role as as Steph Haydock. Oh, and
1: thank you, Cal.
0: How did you How did you go about going? I know you mentioned before that you said you were going to train to be a teacher and things like that. But the the thing with Waterloo Road is you, you're not just teaching in a school; you teach you're teaching in the worst school <laughs> of Waterloo Road. So how did how did that come about?
1: Well, to be honest, the producer of that. Um, was Brian Park, who brought me into Coronation Street in the um, late 90s. And um, I knew that he was doing this series, which was filmed in Rochdale, which is only about 45 minutes from me. And like I've said, love to get home if I can. I've also had great times being abroad, but, you know, yes, you get a bit older and and obviously whatever. I mean, I've I've had great times working away from home as well, but anyway, so I sort of... so. I kind of had said to him, you know, oh, my God, you're doing this series. There's nothing in it for me. And, um, <laughs> and he said, well, not really. He said, there's, uh, uh, you know, there's this, this, this. And he said, there's a teacher um, who's going to be like a sort of a, a secondary character. But she's a very pointed faced sort of person. She, they, had this, they had this preconceived idea of what this character step was going to be like. Anyway, they obviously couldn't cast her. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't mind being sloppy seconds. I'm not bothered. So, uh, <laughs> so, so he came to me and said, "Look, um, th- they're saying that they that they th- they're prepared to change tack on this character, but they just want to see you do it." Said, "Fine, I don't mind." People think that as you go higher up the ladder, you never have to audition. That's rubbish. Even the A-listers have to audition for things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I auditioned and I got it. And Steph was, you know. A, 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 and then a, a sort of not an also round, but she was a secondary character. And then I think it was just that people loved to not, they didn't love to hate Steph because she wasn't a character you could hate. But she was a terrible teacher. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, they loved writing for her and the audience just loved her. And so gradually she became, you know, one of, the, one, of, one of the leads as the series progressed and we had great fun doing that series. I mean, it was a grim place to film. I mean, <laughs> grim. I, I just remember even in the summer, you would drive up to this area outside of Rochdale and it was raining. Even if the rest of the world was bathed in sunshine, it was pouring of rain and Cocolt with sideways rain. And I was a smoker then, and we were always huddled in doorways having a tap. But there was such a great cast. And you know, obviously the common denominator is probably me, but so many (laughs) of those actors have gone on to great Hollywood stardom. Mm -hmm. My best friend, Chris Gere, who played Matt Wilding. Chris is now huge in America. He did a series called You're the Worst. Um, he did uh, Detective Pikachu um, with uh, Ryan Reynolds. He's, he's soaring over there. Jenna Coleman is currently stirring in The, su- in the Serpent. Um, and then you've got um, Holly, well, she was Holly Granger, Holiday Granger, who's now a big star over there. Tom Payne, who played uh, Brett. Yeah. He, um, he was of course in The Walking Dead and he's now in um, that uh, thing that's on um, Sky. Oh God, with Michael Sheen. Can't remember the name of it, Prodigal Son. He's in that. Then you've got Elias Gabel. He's now the lead in Scorpion. Um, The list goes on. Phoebe Dinover, who was in it for a short time, is my best friend, Sally Dinover's daughter. Phoebe's the lead in Bridgerton. Yes. Um, And so basically, it's all down to me. (laughs) I told them all they know. (laughs) And it all started in a in a
0: rainy part of Rochdale. That's
1: absolutely. <laughs> I'm in Hollyoaks and they're in Hollywood. So there you go.
0: <laughs> well, at least you can get home from Hollyoaks. You can't get home exactly. from Hollywood.
1: I <laughs> can't even get to Hollywood. Let alone back.
0: <laughs> you mentioned that uh, Steph is she's not a, a, a character that you'd love to hate, but a character that. Everybody did love to hate that was only supposed to be a, a short term. Uh, was uh, Natalie in Corrie? You became the, the landlady of, of the Rovers. Um, how did that come about? You said that you were cast by the same people. Um, yeah. How did, how did that come wanted about?
1: wanted to be in Cory. Every actor and actress wanted to be in Cory. Everybody did. Even if they said they didn't, they did. Yeah. Everybody, you know, even really famous people wanted to come and do a cameo scene in The Rovers, you know. And Cliff Richard did, and Derek Jacobi did, and Michael Crawford did, and all these different people. But I'd always loved Coronation Street, and um, and so um, when this audition came along, um, I remember walking into um, the foyer at what was the old Granada, and seeing some really well-known faces, and yeah. thinking, oh. I ain't got a cat in hell's chance here. And um, so I was about, how old was I? 37, 36, 37, something like that. Anyway, I went in to see the producer, Brian the one I just mentioned, who I didn't know at the time. Yes. And Judy Hayfield, the casting director. And, you know, sometimes in an audition, you just get a vibe. And they explained that this character was called Natalie Horrocks and that she would be a short-term character because she would be coming in to break up the Webster family. Mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to say anything, but they said, you know, she breaks up the Webster's and I went, the Webster's? And they said, yep. And Brian had decided that he'd, he, apparently, that he'd gone in on, and said, who is the happiest family that would never break up? And they went, the Webster's, he went to break them up. Um, wow. and, um, and so I I remember, I remember driving past the Metro Center, um, and um, there wouldn't have been mobiles, so, but there's some memory of me driving past the Metro Center, stopping, ringing home, and hearing that I had um, 17 episodes of Coronation Street as Natalie. Wow. And when I phoned my parents, it was there is no phone call that made them more happier in life, <laughs> apart from saying that my child was born, than me getting coronation, Steve. There's no greater pinnacle, yes. even a bed full of foreigners. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, but it was also the most daunting first day, first week, first month of any job that I'd ever gone into. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it was, when you have grown up watching something, you know, and even when I was young enough to not watch Coronation Street, that it was always on. The theme yeah. tune is just, is just in your pause and in your life and everything about it is, is there. And then you walk in a room and there's Vera and Jack and Betty, Hot Pot Betty and Kevin and Sally. And it's a bit mind blowing because you've got to remember at the time, there were 25 million people every episode watching that show yeah. we didn't have all the sky channels we didn't have the discovery channel and all these different we just didn't have them we had our four channels and that was it exactly and and you're trying not to call people by their character name and you can <laughs> and it was an honestly and it was unbelievable it but then what happened was I never ever thought about staying long term because to me, there was no way that that character could stay because she was going to have an affair with Kevin and then Kevin would get back with Sally and Natalie would be out. But the writing at the time was so brilliant. Corrie had had a bit of a slump. So I think there was a desperate need for some lifeblood. Yes. Because soaps do this all the time. you of know. Of course, yeah, yeah. And, um, and basically she was the bitch from hell Mm. that you love to hate. And it became a a huge storyline. I mean, no no actor could have had a better storyline than than, than that was huge. It was front page news. And um, it was also novel because I was was a little bit known from things like Soldier Soldier and stuff like that. And it was the first time Coronation Street had had anybody known in before. So the press went huge on it. And I felt a pressure, I have to say, I mean, I did, I did feel a pressure and um, anyway, after three months, they asked if they could extend my, my, my contract and then six months became nine months, became a year. And that was when I asked if Tim and Matthew would move down to Cheshire where I still now live because um, I was very homesick. Mm-hmm. And, um, and of course they then had to decide how to keep Natalie in because if she'd remained such a bitch, it would have been impossible. So they had to soften her a little bit. And um, ultimately, they soften her too much because I liked it when she was a real bitch.
0: <laughs> you might, but the thing is, though, to go on a show like uh, Coronation Street, as you say, 25 million people watching an episode. And you were so hated. You must have got grief in the street from people. It's
1: funny, you know, it's funny because I was expecting it. And I remember Johnny Briggs, who played Mike Baldwin, saying, you know, you want to be careful, you know, because people take this really seriously. I mean, listen, I knew how seriously they took it. I mean, the letters were written to your character. You know, it was the days before the, you know, internet and computers and stuff, really, where they were in their infancy. So it was all, everything was handwritten letters that you had in your pigeonhole and everything. and. These people took it seriously, you know. They they sent you um they sent you gifts for your character's birthday. They sent you baby clothes if you you know it was it was all, all like that, and um and yet there was something about Natalie that when I was out, people would go, "It is you, isn't it?" And I'd go, mm, and they'd go, "I know I should hate you, but I don't." <laughs> go on, girl, like this. And I just think it was because they were so excited by the storyline, um and then of course um. You know, she went behind the bar and then kind of became became a part of the furniture. But I made best friends for you know, for life. You know, Sally, who plays Sally, I'm I'm seeing tomorrow to go for a, a walk with. Um, we've remained like really, really close friends. And Sally has always credited the Natalie character for, for completely reviving her career. Wow. Because she said prior to Natalie coming in, she'd run out of ways to say, go upstairs and wash your hands to you want peas or beans. Yeah. You know that was kind of what Sally said, and then suddenly Natalie came in, and she was thrust into this thing where she was having affairs and everything. She went, "It's the best thing that's ever
0: happened." <laughs> well, from one soap to your biggest rival in Corrie is EastEnders. Uh, so you were in EastEnders as well as uh, I Lacey know, Turner, it's random,
1: isn't it? Yeah, Lacey I was Turner's mum. EastEnders mom. for one episode, and and that was. What only one episode. And that was because one of my very close friends is an is a writer called Darren Little. Not Darren Little who writes Benidorm, This is Darren Little, who now lives in LA. And Darren used to be the archivist at Coronation Street. So he was responsible for all of the archive stuff, most of the Coronation Street books, the you know, many of the auto, many of the biographies was Darren. Sadly, when he became a writer, I'd already left, so he never got to write for me. But he rang me once and said, I'm writing for EastEnders. And um, there's this character, it's like one episode and it was the mother of the trans character that Riley uh, Carter Millington played. And um, and and he said, you know, I, I've said to them, I'd like you to do it. Anyway, very short notice, probably somebody else pulled out or something, I don't care. And anyway, very short notice. So they called me on the, on, on the week before and said, could you come in and do it next week? But we don't want you to have, uh, blonde hair and I thought I'm gonna color my hair because they'll give me a shit wig I know the will at this short notice <laughs> they'll give me a really shit wig so I went and had my hair dyed dark couldn't remember what my natural color was and off I went and it wasn't until I was doing it that I realized I was Alison Slater I was full of the Slater <laughs> and um and then and then I did it and I did one episode and um and that was and, and that was it and I went from being Coronation Street actress to EastEnders actress after just one episode.
0: <laughs> was there any moment where you were Obviously, you've got the cobbles and then you've got the square, but was there any moment while you're on the square thinking, oh, I shouldn't be here. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm behind enemy lines here. Well, there was know, any I mean, of
1: that? I did kind of feel like that a little bit. <laughs> um, it, was, it, was very, it was very bizarre because it was, because it was a one-off. Oh, that's right. And I also acquired, when I was filming... I acquired this stomach bug and, and I was, and I could feel this stomach bug hacking, happening when I was filming. And you know, when you have a stomach bug and you start going all hot and it was almost like, I, I thought, my God, I'm, I'm delusional. I'm, I'm in Albert <laughs> square. What's going on? What's going-
0: <laughs> Not only are you, are you an actress? You're also a presenter as well. Uh, we know you best as a presenter yes. on loose women. Uh, You've been on Loose Women for, was it 2002 was your first episode?
1: Something like that. I mean, I, because the thing about Loose Women is when I first started doing it, it was very much not part of the schedules as such. So it would be on for like, Six weeks at a time, and then it would be off the air for maybe four months, and then it would pop back on for three months, and then sixty minute makeover would knock us down to half hour shows. And I was a very sort of now and again presenter. I don't even remember how I went from being a guest to being a presenter. I don't remember. It's like one day (laughs) I was just on Loose Women, and I'm sure that's because I used to drink. But anyway, I can't remember a lot of (laughs) things. But anyway, yes, it's been a long, long time. And then, of course, probably about oh, I would say. 12, 13 years ago, it became very much part of the schedules. Mm-hmm. You know, it's now it's now there with This Morning and GMB and all these yeah, different it, things. It's the
0: standard it's now, schedules. isn't it? It's GMB, Lorraine, This Morning, Loose Women. That's, That's just it. how it goes. And it's,
1: been, it's been fantastic for me. You know, I'm very, very lucky that I have managed to maintain the two tiers to my career because this is a country that sometimes, well, you know, that isn't sometimes very accepting of people being, you know, pe- people doing different things in America, they're much more understanding, yeah. you know, like Jamie Foxx, who's a huge movie star, also has a sitcom over there and also is a game show presenter. Braggy Walsh does it very well, he manages, but really, there's not many people who are presenters and, and, and actors, so um, it's it, it, it's been it's been great. And um, now doing Hollyoaks, they um they they have a great relationship with uh, with loose women. Um, because of Kelly Bryan doing it as well. So I'm still able to do, I'm still able to do both. My my agent's just trying to constantly juggle the dates with them. Um, and, that, you know, she says that she's sure that when Hollyoaks pick up the phone, they go, what? <laughs> <laughs> am I re- am I right in thinking Her-,
0: Her Majesty the Queen likes watching Loose Women?
1: Yes, she does. She likes watching Loose Women you know, and Coronation Street.
0: Oh, there you go. See?
1: There you go. <laughs> fans fans are from royalty. That's what it is. Of course.
0: <laughs> uh, with Loose Women, you've also been on uh, Dancing on Ice and you were the winner of Celebrity Big Brother as well.
1: Yes, a hollow victory, but never mind. <laughs>
0: Tell I me, hated uh, it. D- hate, you hated Big Brother.
1: hated every minute of it that's not true i hated every minute after the first four days of it yeah
0: what do you think it was the the novelty Um, wore off and no
1: well you know there there are some people who you talked about i love it as a viewer don't get me wrong and the celebrity version uh, any anyway but um there are some friends of mine who've done celebrity big brother and had an absolute ball (laughs) it depends what state of mind you're in when you go into it and it depends who's in there with you yes and it just wasn't good for me. My, my state of mind wasn't good. I, I was. You, people can't push you into anything, but my family didn't want me to do it. My then manager wanted me to do it. Um, it's a lot of money. Yeah, it's a lot of money for a th- for what I thought was. I know it was a, a three and a half weeks, but being the older person, I thought. Well, I'll be in, and I'll be the first out, so I'll get my money, and you know, yeah. Um, so it's, it, and I've never been great with money, so it, so it was a lot of money, but um, I, I on hindsight, people say, have you got any regrets? And I go, yeah, I wish I'd never done Big Brother. It just was a very lonely time for me, and um, there was some really horrible people in there, and and I've had a career where I haven't really been around horrible people. You know, there's lots of people tell stories about this myriad of people that they've worked with that they didn't like and they didn't get on with and they had fights with. And I've been incredibly lucky never to really have that. And yet suddenly I was thrust into this very, very um, alien, weird situation with a few few people were lovely. Mm -hmm. A few people were absolutely lovely in there. And but there was a few that were really horrible, and it was just very unpleasant. And I felt bullied. I'd gone the way I'd gone all the way through school without being bullied. Yes. Um, and and it was just not very pleasant. So um, and also there were lots of lies told me by my then management when I was in there, um, and so it caused a lot of trouble for me when I came out. So it was just it was you know. I I won it, but I'm sure it was just a sympathy vote.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've always looked at these, the the reality shows and thought, I don't think I'd want to do Big Brother or, uh, but as you say, it's a lot of money. Everyone's got a price and things like that. It's a lot of money.
1: And, you know, it is a lot of money. And also, like I say, Carol McGiffin, my mate, went in it and she had an absolute ball. You talked to Martin Kemp who was in it, he had an absolute ball. I think as well, some people who went into the summer show you know, you can sunbathe outside, and when yep. we were in, and it was rainy and horrible, but but um, it was just yeah, it, it just it just wasn't. Um, but you know, I did it. I stayed. I didn't leave. Yep,
0: absolutely. And that
1: was that was kind of something. Dancing on ice was a different ball game. That well, was I think, that
0: was great. I think I'd do something like dancing on ice or or, stri- yeah. or something because it's learning a new skill that I would never yeah. ever go for. And had exactly. You, had you I done mean, any? I got
1: taught to skate by Torval and Dean. Yeah. And my Eva's. I mean, you know, that's something to tell the grandchildren. Do you Who? know what I mean? They nobody's I mean, them. Who? <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, I'm I'm still I, I was rubbish and I'm still rubbish, but you know, I, I but I I was I was 52, so I was the oldest person at the time ever to have done it. Yes. So that was a badge of honor and it encouraged a lot of I've always been a, a person for sort of empowering older women and mm-hmm. I know that sounds a cliché, but a lot of women when they get older feel very invisible. So it was a it was great for people. A lot of people bought ice skates and started skating and thought, "My God, you know, I can do that." So it was good in that respect.
0: What's next for you, Denise? So uh, let's say, uh, let's say, for argument's sake, pandemic ends tomorrow. What's next for you?
1: Well, this is during pandemic, so I'm I'm doing Loose Women, obviously. Um, I've just done that, you know, today before I've uh, spoken to you. I'm filming Hollyoaks, and I have a contract for a year at Hollyoaks. And my character Trish is getting up to all sorts. There is a real dark side to Trish and a real dark side to her and Brad. And I'm really looking forward to exploring that. And I'm also coming to the end of filming. um, I'm so excited about it. I am a true crime um, lover and a true crime aficionado, if I may say. I'm fascinated (laughs) by the genre. And I have my own show called Survivors with Denise Welsh, Fantastic. which starts on the Crime and Investigation channel on April the 12th. And that's the first time I've said that with the date.
0: Is that an exclusive? we um, got an exclusive.
1: <laughs> it's an exclusive. And, and, and I'm absolutely thrilled. And um, it's about the survivors of real life crime, because very often we concentrate on the perpetrators. And I'm, this comes from not me trying to be a psychologist or amateur psychologist, it comes from my fascination with survival instinct, mm-hmm. and, um, and 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 why some people who have been victims of violent crime kind of choose to be a survivor rather than a victim, and um, and what 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 strengths they find in themselves or, or or whatever to 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 not let not not be defined by this. So it's been you know I interviewed six people in six one hour episodes, and um, it's it's been an unbelievable um, journey of discovery for me. And I just can't wait for everyone to see it. So I'm finishing. I'm I'm doing that. So I've kind of got, you know, it's a very busy. It's a very busy lockdown, and I feel very grateful to be to to have three jobs at 62 years old. You know, like I say, don't give up, girls. There's life in the old. um, Not going to say dogs yet. There's life in the old birds yet.
0: (laughs) Do you prefer being an actress on screen or a presenter, or is it equal?
1: acting is my love, acting is my passion, acting is something that I will absolutely say I'm good at. I don't say that about many things, but I love it. And this part in Hollyoaks is, is a gift for an actress and or and, and is, is, is a dream role. And I am, because certainly the last couple of years has been very much presenting and prior to that, you know, acting, but it was on tour, not on television. So I'm really, really loving what I'm doing. But as I say, with, with if the project is right then pre- presenting i'm very comfortable ignoring the camera and i'm very comfortable talking to the camera yes. and some people aren't some people choose their field and, they, and that's what they like to do so i so i'm just very lucky that i can that i can do both i've got one
0: final question for you denise who of your celebrity showbiz friends would you like to see on this podcast
1: oh my goodness me who would i like to see on this podcast Oh my goodness. I think, well, I think you'd have a right laugh with Carol McGiffin okay. if you got her on because she's nothing if not controversial. <laughs> I mean I'm I think you'd have a great chat with Nikki Sanderson who plays my who plays my daughter. I think you'd have a great chat with Lee Francis, who is Keith Levin. Yes. Um Tamsin Outwaite, Kate Thornton. I'm going through them all. List of celebrity <laughs> friends. I'll give you their numbers.
0: <laughs> thank you very much indeed, Denise. And thank you so much for coming onto the Cal Halbert Podcast.
1: Oh, Cal, it's so lovely to see you. And I and also, you know, you are such a special talent, and I can't wait to see you live again.
0: That's very kind of you. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. See you soon.
0: The Cal Halbert Podcast. And there we go, my friends. That was my chat with the fabulous Denise Welsh. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please, please give it a nice big share with all your friends and family and subscribe so you never miss a future episode. If you can, please give us five stars. That really helps us out. And I will see you next week. My teeth nearly fell out Then, Not that I wear fake teeth, but you know when you go... You need to put your... When people go, I need to put my teeth in. Anyway, I got a bit tongue-tied, all right? Join us next week. I'm trying to go monotone now, so we definitely... Uh, join us next week, so you don't... Oh, I've, I've gone wrong. Right, well, see you next time. Ta-da! <laughs> the Cal Halbert Podcast. You've been listening to a Calvert Media production.